Testament passage today picks up in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. They were gathered at Sokol, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Sokol, Azekah, in Ehesdamim. And Saul and the men of Israel gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley in between them. I have been in that valley. Now, we don't normally go there anymore, but when I first started going, there was nothing there. Okay, I mean, there, there's like a hill on one side, and there's a hill on another side, and there's this valley in between with a little creek going through it. And in some of our smaller early tours, we actually went there, and we picked up rocks from the stream, smooth rocks from the stream, just like David had done. And there came out of the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. And the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield bearer went before him. And he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come up to draw in battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Now, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, David was the son of an Ephraimite of Benjamin and Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. Now remember, David is the Bunso, he's the youngest. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him Abinadab, and the third one, Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistines came forward and took a stand morning and evening. And Jesse said to his son David, Take your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp of your brothers. Also take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. David arose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took provisions, I notice, he left the sheep with a keeper. Here's a great principle I teach pastors. You never leave the sheep alone. Never leave the sheep alone. Never do that. When I see pastors that walk off and abandon congregations and just, ah, I'm out of here. I don't, forgive me, but I really just cut those people off. I want nothing to do with them again the rest of my life. How can you abandon the sheep? Sheep are helpless without a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. David was a good shepherd. He left them with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. 
and Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle, army against army. David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. Now notice, all the men of Israel fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter in in marriage and make his father's house tax-free. And literally free there means tax-free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, So shall be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you've come down to see the battle. Wow. Now, brothers and sisters, please remember, David's brothers watched him anointed to be the next king. They'd seen this. They saw the anointing on his life, but they still treated him like a little brother. And you know, when he was little, he probably was bratty, all right? And he probably was presumptuous, you know? But they forgot. That's not who David was anymore. There was an anointing on his life. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him and spoke to another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. So he confirms. He confirms three times. When David, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul and he sent for him. Now, sometimes you confirm and ask to be noticed. There was a purpose in David. He was confirming and he was asking to be noticed. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now remember, this isn't a little boy now with shepherds, with shepherds as a sheep. This is a man that the Spirit of God had rushed upon. Remember that passage earlier. David is different now. The Holy Ghost has come upon David. He's not the little bratty, obnoxious baby brother anymore. The Spirit of God has rushed upon him. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go up against this Philistine and fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war since his youth. And David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it from his, out of its mouth. And if it rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. Now notice the S's on the end of that. Multiple. He didn't kill just one lion or one bear. He had learned bravery. He'd killed multiple lions and multiple bears. 
And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. So Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried it in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I can't go with these, for I have not tested them. So he put them off. Now listen. The path to victory. Victory uses who you are now, not who you will be. Now, one day David would wear a king's armor, and one day David would carry a king's sword and a king's shield and wear a king's helmet. But right now he's a shepherd's boy. And probably this is one of the greatest truths for success that I could ever teach you. You will never succeed trying to be what you are becoming. You will only succeed by being who you are now. Let me say that again. You will never succeed by attempting to be who you are becoming. You will only succeed by being who you are right now. Then he took his staff in his hand, because that's a shepherd's staff. That's what he's used to. And he chose five smooth stones from the brook. (laughs) People say, Pastor, where did your collection of artifacts from Israel begin? It began in the early 80s when Uncle Lester came here to the Philippines after being in Israel. And he brought me a smooth stone from the Valley Vila. I still have it to this day. It's one of my treasured possessions. And he put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. And notice he chose five, not just one. Okay. Always be over-prepared. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with a shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. I mean, he he despised him. He looked upon him as nothing. For he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Because remember, he had his staff in his hand. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, which are false gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I'm here in God's name. You, You come to me with all your weapons of war. I'm here in God's name. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the field, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David wasn't doing this for his name. David was doing this for God's name. And that all this assembly may know That the Lord saves not by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. This is David's revelation. David's revelation of faith. And he lived by that for a lifetime. He was an incredible warrior king. (laughs) 
warrior worshiper king. And I think maybe worshiper warrior worshiper would be first. But David's revelation of faith was the battle is the Lord's. The battle is, David knew that this battle is not mine. I will not, I cannot fight this and I cannot win this, but the battle is the Lord's. Brothers and sisters, there's going to come a revelation into every one of your hearts. And that revelation is what you will live with for the rest of your life. When the Philistine arose and came near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle lines to meet the Philistine. Run to the battle. Whatever battle you are facing today, don't run from it, run to it. David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead and the stone sank deep into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to notice, if he had been going backwards, backing up, trying to sling a sling in defense, I'm not sure David would have won. Yes, the battle is the Lord's, but David's faith caused him to be aggressive and all that extra momentum of not walking toward the battle and not backing up from the battle, but running to the battle. As he planted that front foot and let that stone sling, there was a lot greater momentum behind it than if he had been backing up. Always remember, running to the battle will give you the extra momentum to win. Running to the battle will give you the spiritual momentum to win. Then David ran. Notice he's still running. Stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Now notice, David kept running. David ran quickly. David ran. You, you know, never, never give an enemy. Never give. A chance to think. Oh, he's down. Let's go help him. No, no, David never gave him a chance to think. David kept running because he knew I got one shot to do this. And if these guys come out and help him, I'm going to be fighting 50 people rather than just cutting off this guy's head. You've got to keep running. Once God gives you the victory, you keep advancing until total victory. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Saraim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. David took the head of the Philistines and brought it to Jerusalem and put his armor in his tent. David kept ownership of the victory. You know, there's always people that don't want to help but want to take credit for it afterwards. David kept credit for the victory. As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistines, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? Abner said, as your son lives, O king, I do not know. And the king said, inquire whose son the boy is. Notice they keep calling him a boy. (laughs) As soon as David returned from striking down the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. He stood before the king with his victory in his hand. Nobody else got to take credit for it. His older brother didn't get to take credit for it. 
And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse of Bethlehem. Now, I had to be careful reading this passage because you know it's one of my favorite sermons to teach people in life about how to walk in victory. And it's an amazing, an amazing study. So I'm moving through it very quickly. Let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Second places, one places, or no matter how many promises God has made, they are yet in Christ. And so the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Let's sing. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. It is so. New Testament passage today picks up in John chapter 10, verse 22. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem, at Jerusalem. It was winter. Now, 
Remember, winter is cold and wet. Sometimes it even snows in Jerusalem. So when you're talking about Jerusalem in winter, we've been there, okay? I've been there in January. It's cold and it's wet. Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. Now, the colonnade of Solomon, if this is Temple Mount in Jesus' day, and the temple is here in the center, off on this side, these, this was Solomon's colonnade. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. All right, so he said, I told you. Okay, it's done. He said, I already told you I'm the Messiah, and you do not believe. Have you ever noticed unbelief often says, repeat? Have you ever noticed that? Tell us. Well, you didn't hear the first time, or the second, or the 500th time? There's something about unbelief that deafens the ears. It's like it goes in, zoop, and goes out and doesn't stop. No retention. Unbelief, unbelief destroys retention. My sheep hear my voice. I'll put you, verse 26. But you did not believe. Why do you not believe? Because... You are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them from my hand. Jesus's protection. Now, now this is one of those verses that I had to get a hold of back in the early 80s. In the early 80s, when I saw all of my spiritual heroes fall, Jim Baker, PTL, um, I mean, he was the first real guy of Christian television. I used to watch him every morning after I got saved in, in university. Jimmy Swaggart, the greatest evangelist in the United States when I was a young man. Marvin Gorman pastored the greatest Holy Ghost church in the United States at that time, based in New Orleans. The, these men were my heroes, and they all fell. And I went through a real time of, God, how am I supposed to make it? You know, <laughs> I was talking with a young man not too long ago, and I told him, I said, listen, you know, the hardest thing about, you know, growing older is seeing people fall away. I said, do you know how few preachers are still in the ministry that started at the same time as Sister Bev and I? I mean, I, I can count them. You know, Frank Bailey. Sam Carr, uh, Rod Parsley, uh, Casey Treat. I mean, we were, of all of the guys that we knew when we were young, we're like last man's standing. And I can remember as a young man that being so discouraging because I saw so many preachers quitting and failing, falling into sin, quitting the ministry, whatever. And Grandpa taught me some things that really helped me. But this, this verse became a big deal to me. No one will snatch them from my hand. And you've often heard me say, I don't trust in my ability to stay saved. 
I trust in the keeping grace the keeping grace of God. That's what I trust in. I don't trust in my ability to stand. I trust in his ability to make me stand. I don't trust in my ability to, to, to live right and stay safe. I trust in his ability to keep me. <laughs> I got to be careful or I'll preach all morning on that. But some of you, this hell's helping you this morning. Some of you, you know, you're, you're wondering, some of you young preachers out there listening to me, you're, you're wondering, how can I make it? Because you see so many preachers falling away in the world today. He'll make you stand. Don't trust in your spiritual strength. Trust in his keeping grace. My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Sometimes... When the spiritual storms are raging all around me, do you know how I picture myself? I picture myself sitting in the palm of God's hand. There's this giant hand. Here I am, this little insignificant nothing stuck in the middle of his hand. Nothing can get near me because I'm in his hand. Beloved, some of you are going through some of the most horrible storms of life right now. You are in the Father's hand. Don't trust in your ability to stand. <laughs> Nobody can snatch you from the Father's hand. <laughs> oh, I and the Father are one, Jesus said. Uh, forgive me, but that's theology. Wow. This is a wow. There's not three gods, one God. Three persons. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Now, this is not the first time they wanted to stone him. Notice the word again. This is multiple times. And notice the Jews, the Jews. If you're the Christ, tell us. So he tells them again. <laughs> they ask him and he tells them again and now they want to stone him again Jesus answered them I have shown you many great works from the father for which of them are you going to stone me the Jews answered him it is not for a good work that we're going to stone you but for blasphemy because you being a man make yourself God well you asked me who I was I am Messiah Jesus answered them is it not written in your law I said, you are gods. Now, you know what? I remember big controversy about that back in the early 80s. Doctrine floating around the world. Don't ask me what that means. Okay, that's one of those verses. I just, don't ask me. I've never preached on that verse because I have no understanding of that verse. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, sent into the world? You are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God. I'm not doing the works of my Father. If I'm not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. These are the beautiful in him truths. 
So when you start seeing Paul talk about being in Christ, just as Christ is in the Father, Jesus is the one who started this teaching, the beautiful in him revelations. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus did. He went to a place of memory. The memory of revival. Now, here's a truth you need to get a hold of. In the weeks ahead, months ahead, I don't know when, the nation is going to reopen. And parents, some of your children have lost their way. Their love has grown cold. Bring them to the house of God. Bring them back to where they encountered God in the past. A place of spiritual memory. A place of spiritual memory. What Jesus did was incredibly wise. He went to a place where a great revival broke out and people repented of their sins and began to serve God again. And Jesus went down there and remained there. I mean, he spent a long time there. And people came to him. They came to this place. And they remembered what they had encountered with John. And they believed in Jesus. What an incredible, incredible set of truth to remember. Let's close out today with a little bit of wisdom from Proverbs. Ha <laughs> ha. A wise man is full of strength. I like this. The wise are mightier than the straw. Guys, not a problem going to the gyms and building up those, those arms and that chest and building up those legs. Not a problem building up your core. But wisdom is mightier than physical strength. A man of knowledge, now here's wisdom, a man of knowledge enhances his might. New Living says, grow stronger and stronger. Young people, do you know why your parents want you to grow, want you to study? And do you know why you should study the rest of your life? The more you study, the stronger you grow. The more knowledge you have, the stronger you grow. This is why many pastors lose their spiritual strength, because they don't study. Wow. This is why many businessmen lose their business strength, because they stop studying. They start, they start coasting. You know, they, they already, they think that they know so much already that, you know, they can, they can stop. Have you ever noticed I study all the time? If you've ever been around me much, you don't find me without something to study. I'm always studying. Knowledge enhances might. Those with knowledge grow stronger and stronger. For by wise guidance, you can wage war. And in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Notice, not just one. Not just one. An abundance. You see, different people see things differently. Different people will pick up on different things. The more counselors, the more sure victory is. See, this, this is one of the things you just got to get a hold of in life. Nobody thinks of everybody 
of everything and nobody can see everything and nobody knows all the pieces of everything. But when you get a whole bunch of people together and you get them talking, now you can put pieces of a puzzle together and those pieces of a puzzle make victory. Wisdom is too high for a fool. In the gate, he, he does not open his mouth. <laughs> Among the leaders at the city gate, they have nothing to say. Did you see that down here? They have nothing to say. Fools shut up in the face of wisdom. Whoever plans to do evil will be called a schemer. The devising, now, now just whoever plans evil will get a reputation as a troublemaker. Have you ever noticed there are people who plan evil? They plan destruction. They, they plan to destroy people. You know what? Before long, their reputation is not a good reputation. Their reputation is the reputation of a troublemaker or a schemer. The devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to mankind. Now, scoffer means mocker. Everyone detests a mocker. Have you ever seen people on Facebook and all they do is mock people? They're always mocking people. They got a mocking spirit. Have you ever noticed they're not liked? Mockers are never liked. Mockers are always, and notice the word detests. Mockers are always detested. So when you know, you're looking at something and you want to mock it, you want to make fun of it. Show no respect for what you don't understand. Zip your lip, as my mama used to say. Zip your lip. Just nip. Zip the lip. Don't let mockery come out of your mouth. It destroys your name. People have no respect for a mocker. And sometimes you want to look at young people today. They, they want to mock things they don't understand. And you want to just say, young people, you know, maybe your mama didn't teach you respect. But you need to come before the throne of God and learn some respect. Because mockery is not going to give you a good name. Mockery is going to make you... ESV says an abomination, an abomination in other people's eyes. So if you don't have something good to say, zip the lip in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. We'll see you tonight. Book of Romans, 7 o'clock. See you then.